We inform. Religious freedom is about people of faith being able to live out their faith, live out their convictions, no matter where they are. We equip. This is a battle of worldviews. And we activate. We also rejoice in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character hope. This is At The Core on American Family Radio. Welcome to The Core here on American Family Radio Network. Good to be with you today on the program. Walker Wildman here with you. At the core here on American Family Radio, AFR.net's the URL. You can go there and check out the website, AFR.net. We also have the American Family Radio app out there for you to download. It's free. It takes you just a couple minutes. And we're streaming the video, streaming.afa.net, streaming.afa.net. we got a couple different guests today. We'll have uh, <clears throat> on with us in the next segment, Kendra and Ann. They are both hosts of Hannah's Heart. We'll have them on in the next segment to talk about the weekend show here on American Family Radio, Hannah's Heart. And uh, we'll let them talk about that show, some of the uh, topics they discuss on the program and uh, the fact that it's Sanctity of Life Month. Also, in the last segment, we'll have on Sharon Slater, president of Family Watch International, talk about the status of the family and uh, also her participation or her attending the Global Family Policy Forum put on by the U.N. So we'll uh, cover those topics with uh, Sharon Slater in the last segment. Do want to get to our scripture for the week, but before I do, I want to mention preborn. We had a great week last week promoting the preborn campaign. If you do want to uh, still participate, maybe you procrastinated, that's okay. We got a little bit of room left for you. AFR.net's a website. You can still donate. AFR.net, AFR.net. That's where you can go. And donate. 28 bucks provides one ultrasound for a woman and child. $140 that'll provide five ultrasounds. I would say free ultrasounds, but they're not free. They'll be free for the mom and the baby, but somebody's got to pay for them, right? Just like everything else. So what we're asking you to do is to step up and cover the cost for these ultrasounds. So $28 will provide an ultrasound. One ultrasound, 140 bucks, will provide five ultrasounds for a mom and baby in need. AFR.net, right there on the homepage, you can still donate to support preborn. We are in Psalm chapter 57 for the week. David says in verses 1 through 3, Be merciful to me, O God, be merciful to me. For in you my soul takes refuge. In the shadow of your wings I will take refuge till the storms of destruction pass by. I cry out to God most high, to God who fulfills his purposes for me. He will send from heaven and save me. He will put to shame him who tramples me. God will send out his steadfast love and faithfulness. Psalm chapter 57 here, David petitioning the Lord for mercy and outlining how the Lord will 
save him, how he will send out his steadfast love and his faithfulness. Moving into the some of the topics I want to discover, I want to discuss uh, this segment. I really want to focus on these shots, on these COVID nineteen shots, because this is really a um, a very developing situation, if you will, and a lot of people's eyes are being opened to the to the the faultiness, if you will, of these COVID nineteen shots. Now, now you and I on the show, we've covered this for the last probably. 18 months, but it's still a topic of discussion. It's still a topic of discussion because more and more stuff is coming out, more and more information is coming out on the dangers of surrounding these shots. And, and just to refresh our memory, I'm going to cover a few stories that we covered months ago, if not over a year ago, and then I'm going to bring you back to a couple clips from a mom who had her 14-year-old teenage girl uh, injured very badly, by uh, one of these COVID-19 shots. So let me just cover a couple of these stories that we've covered in the past. So the first the first one is has to do with this, um, this clinical trial, this control group. This goes back to 2021, but there was a control group of about 650 people um, that was put on by a big pharmaceutical company, and the the goal was to do a long-term, years-long control group study for uh, to study how these COVID nineteen shots work. And so, once again, there was about uh, six hundred and fifty volunteers in this study. By the way, I'm going to link to all these stories on my podcast page at afr.net. But this was a clinical trial out of uh, the state of Texas. I'm sorry, Kansas. Lenexa, Kansas. And um, anyway, I covered it on the show a while back because here's what happened. You know, in these in these control groups, in these clinical trials, the, the placebo group or the, glu- the group who did not receive the actual shot or the actual vaccine, that's all supposed to be anonymous. So if you were in the placebo group, and those who are familiar with this terminology know what I'm talking about, those who were in the placebo placebo group, they're not supposed to know that, all right? They're not supposed to know that they're in the placebo group. It's supposed to be a secret, right? So we can truly study how these shots work or how any medication works. Well, not that far in, every single participant of the 650 that were in the placebo group, they all got a phone call from the company putting it on, letting them know, hey, by the way, we're still running this clinical trial, but you're in the placebo group. So if you want to get the real shot, if you want to get the real vaccine that the FDA just signed on through an emergency use authorization form, then you can get it. Well, what happens to that? What's the end result? The end result is your entire trial and study is destroyed, practically destroyed, because the placebo group now knows that they're the placebo group, and then they go and get the real shot. And that's what happened here with this one. So the the entire study was just like thrown in the trash. 
why? We don't know. Nobody knows why on earth you would disrupt a study of this magnitude. So this is indicative that we are lacking true, robust, long-term clinical trials surrounding the COVID-19 shots. The other story that I covered was uh, had to do with the Florida Surgeon General and the state of Florida running their own study about myocarditis and heart-related issues in young people who got these experimental shots. So the uh, this uh, this report's out of CBN, but they're citing some of the research put out by the state of Florida. But uh, listen to this: researchers, and this was this was in the past few months, by the way. Researchers with the Florida Department of Health have analyzed data for adverse reactions among mRNA vaccine recipients, and they found some serious concerns, particularly for young men. Their research led to a big announcement from Florida's Surgeon General. He issued a new guidance regarding mRNA mRNA shots, warning that they are associated with an 84% increase in cardiac-related adverse events among males 18 to 39. And remember, this is coming a year or two after other nations, I believe including Sweden and others, completely shut down the mRNA program for young men because of the myocarditis risk. So Florida's Surgeon General says that their report, their study, showed an 84% increase in cardiac-related adverse events among males 18 to 39. Folks, this is not normal. This is absolutely not normal. This is an utter disaster, and nobody wants to talk about it. At least nobody in the mainstream wants to talk about it. These were pitched as safe and effective, safe and effective, safe and effective. So those are those two stories. I've got more, but those are the only two I'll mention for now. I want to play these couple clips. Uh, This is a mother who was on Fox News. I'm surprised Fox let this thing run. Uh, but I guess you got to wake up to the truth at some point, don't you? So uh, this um, this mom, Stephanie D. Gary, or Gary, uh, was on Fox and Friends this past weekend and was sharing about her 14-year-old daughter was seriously harmed by this trial uh, uh, a shot that she signed her daughter up from. Uh, let's listen to part one of this two-part clip. Ever since taking the vaccine COVID-19, the, the trial COVID-19 vaccine from Pfizer in 2020, 14-year-old Maddie DeGary has experienced extreme reactions and had to be placed in a wheelchair. Now, over two years later, Maddie is still in serious condition with vision problems, poor neck control, waist-down numbness, and she needs a feeding tube. Stephanie DeGary is Maddie's mother, and she joins us now. Thank you, Stephanie. I have been wanting to follow up when, uh, since we last spoke on this story and I'm so glad that you can join us now. Um, I'm really sad to hear that she has not recovered. Since then, has anyone from Pfizer or the federal government reached out to you to see what is going on with Maddie and why she has not recovered from this trial vaccine? No, they have not. How does that make you feel that you, you know, gave your children over to a trial and, you know, it, and, and this happened and no one has taken responsibility. Angry. <laughs> it feels like it's not real. Um, 
this is not how I thought a trial was run. We've never been in a trial before. Um, it, I feel like we're living in a horror movie, to be honest with you. I don't know how else to describe it. And it's, it's fascinating because you would think that Pfizer would want to know what happened to the children in their trial. And our federal government continues to recommend the vaccine for children <laughs> and even babies. What are your thoughts on that? Um, I, they, they should not be recommending this for children or babies. There's no benefit to it. Um, there's only there's only bad things that are going to happen. And there's more and more kids um, that, that this is happening to. Um, and worse yet, they're dying. Yeah. It's, it's not stopping. That's part one. Uh, because of time, let's go ahead and, and get in uh, part two. Once again, this is Stephanie DeGuerre. Uh, joining Fox and Friends, her 14-year-old daughter was harmed by the shot. Uh, part two, let's listen. I think perhaps the cruelest thing that happened is after Pfizer and the federal mm-hmm. government um, and our health officials ignored what happened to your child, and it is serious what happened to her, very mm-hmm. serious, you tried to join a Facebook group, um, a community of other vax-injured people, and they took down the group. They won't even let you get support from other people who are experiencing. Do you? F- why do you think that that was censored? That those group chat, those groups were taken down from social media. Why does the government and Pfizer want to make you feel isolated? So there are several groups that were taken down. Um, you basically had to talk in code. Um, I think that they wanted to take them down because they didn't want the truth out, and the numbers were just growing. So, I mean, the, the amount of people in those groups is insane. Yeah. But, yeah, they don't want the truth to be out. Do you feel and like when, do, you, do you feel like the truth is getting out? I mean, you do have, for example, Senator Ron Johnson, who has been a hero to the Vax injured community. Yeah. Uh, do you feel like with this new change in leadership in the U.S. Congress, um, with Republicans in charge, do you feel like there might be more? Um, more interest in what happened to your daughter and others like her? Definitely, I do. Um, I I don't think it's going to happen overnight still. I I, I don't want to be... I think it's getting better. The dam is starting to be... We're starting to break the dam, but um, we have a way to All right, well, there you have it. That's that's part two of the interview uh, with this mom named Stephanie and her 14-year-old daughter still going through the vaccine adverse event. Pfizer and the CDC completely ignored this case. Be back in a few. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the course. I have kept the faith. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. Have you ever seen one of those track and field events where the runner starts out in blazing fashion, leading the pack for the majority of the race, only to stumble just before reaching the finish line? Starting the race well and running well are vitally important. But if we don't finish the race well, all else can be overthrown. The Apostle Paul penned those words, having fought the good fight, right on to the end as he faced imminent execution under Nero's sword. Let us all, brothers and sisters, set our courses to finish well. Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner with Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association. 
This is Raising Godly Girls Minute with Patty Garibay of American Heritage Girls. Your girl may hear God is good all the time, but tend to respond with a heart of doubt. From social media and television to radio, today's news consumers are bombarded with evidence of brokenness, violence, and division across the globe. Your girl can find herself reading the Bible, looking at the world, then struggling to connect God's almighty nature to her reality. God is good, yeah, but my world is falling apart. God is not surprised or held back by the daily effects of sin in his beloved creation. Ephesians 3 verse 20 asserts that God is able to heal far more than we could ever ask, think, or imagine. Pray with your girl to see her world through God's eyes and confidently rest in his power to bring good into brokenness. Learn more about empowering girls through the love of God at RaisingGodlyGirls.com. If you are 65 or older, you know this. Watching your hard-earned dollars fly out the window on healthcare costs is so frustrating. But here's some great news. If you miss the December 7th deadline for open enrollment, it's not too late. Here's something that can really help. It's MediShare 65+. plus. MediShare is a community of Christians who share each other's healthcare bills. It's people who encourage and pray for each other, too. MediShare 65 Plus is a low-cost option for those with Medicare Parts A and B, and it fills in the gaps where Medicare stops. It's a great way to fight inflation, too. You can lock in one low monthly price for up to 10 years. Plus, it's easy. You can use any Medicare-approved doctor or get 24-7 telehealth access from the comfort of your home. So worth looking into. MediShare 65 Plus is open for enrollment. And if you join right now, before January 31st, your second month will be free. So don't miss this chance. Call 833-45-BIBLE. That's 833-45-BIBLE. 833-45-BIBLE. At the Core podcast are available at AFR.net. Now, back to At the Core on American Family Radio. Welcome back to The Core here on American Family Radio. Good to be with you on the program. Well, oftentimes there's not much to look at in the studio except for just me sitting by myself with this uh, wall in the background. But I've got multiple guests in studio with me. So go over to streaming.afa.net and check it out. We've got uh, Kendra White and Ann Cockrell both in studio with us. And uh, ladies, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Yeah, thanks. Fun to be here. Yeah, trying to figure out who's going to go first when you're interviewing two people. Uh, <laughs> I just throw it to you and let you figure it out. Uh, it, it, it does help that y'all host a podcast on the weekend. It does. Uh, so Hannah's Heart is the uh, weekend show on American Family Radio. Also is published as a podcast, so you can listen to it at your leisure. Um, we've been going, uh, ladies, what, about a year now or yeah, thereabouts? A little over a year. In October, it was a year. That I can't believe it's been a year already. I know. There was so much talk about it for a while. Yeah. Yeah. It <laughs> seems like yesterday we were meeting about it and yeah. what the show would look like and uh, what kind of content y'all would cover on the program. So Hannah's Heart is on Saturdays. What time on Saturdays? Five o'clock. Perfect. Uh, so today we're going to talk about Sanctity of Life Month. Uh, one of the main focus of Hannah's Heart is to cover... Um, the life issue, uh, fertility, uh, having children, and how uh, couples go through a plethora of different emotions and situations surrounding that. Uh, so, Kendra, to set this up, uh, this this topic that we're going to talk about today, IVF, a little bit about it. You got a clip uh, to set it up, and then we'll talk about how some of the uh, misknown 
our uh, misinformation going around about IVF. Yeah. So right after the um, reversal of Roe v. Wade happened, and in fact, even right before, there was a lot of talk about how pro-lifers were trying to ban IVF. And kind of the way that this was painted was that um, you know, the left was saying, oh, th- you all have a double standard. You say you're pro-children, and now there are these families that just they just want to have children, and you're trying to ban IVF. Um, and so the question remains, first of all, is that true? Are mm. there pro-lifers right. that are trying to ban IVF? And if so, why? And that stands for in vitro fertilization, correct? correct? It's, yeah. it's a specific process of fertility treatment. And a lot of people don't know what IVF is and why we're even talking about it in relation to the pro-life issue. So we actually had a guest on a couple um, weeks ago on Hannah's Heart. Yeah. Dr. Gordon from Southeastern Fertility. He is a um, believer. He also partners with um, an organization called the National Embryo Donation Center. Mm. So this is a, an organization that we'll, we'll talk about this in a minute, but there's a, an excess of frozen embryos, which if you believe life, it begins at conception, that's a which life. we do, that's a life. Wow. And so they're in the process of trying to help these frozen embryos not be discarded, but to find homes for mm. these embryos. So he's in association with them. Um, anyways, this clip will let you hear just a little bit about the history of IVF and how the problem of all of these frozen embryos, um, extra frozen embryos, came into existence. So IVF came on the scene in 1978 with the birth of Louise Brown. And so in that situation, Dr. Steptoe and Edwards in England went ahead and removed the one egg that her mother was about to ovulate. They did a laparoscopic surgery through the belly button. They got the one egg. They put the egg in a dish in an incubator. They put some sperm in with the egg. The egg fertilized the next day. The day after that, they put the embryo back in the uterus, and nine months later, Louise Brown was born. And that was the world's first test tube baby. Now, the problem is it was hard to do. You had to go through a surgery to get the egg, and sometimes you didn't get the egg or didn't fertilize or didn't grow. So by the late 80s, some changes had happened that made it much more accessible, where you could do the egg removal using a vaginal ultrasound. So you could do that in the office under some sedation. You didn't have to go to the operating room. And then doctors were like, well, you could go after one egg, and we still do a natural cycle IVF here where we go after the one egg. But instead, doctors started to use mild fertility drugs like Clomid, figuring if you got two to four eggs, then that would be a little bit better. So they went ahead and and were able to get more eggs. And then they figured out that you could freeze the extra embryos. So if you fertilize that egg and you had four eggs that fertilized and you only wanted to put back two Um, then you could freeze the other embryo or two if it had developed over the next couple of days. You could freeze it in liquid nitrogen and then come back years later and and use that frozen embryo. And now the very first frozen embryo baby was, I believe, 1988, and that was in in, uh, Australia, actually. Hmm. So um, then doctors were like, well, okay, that two to four eggs was good, but maybe like 10 or 20 eggs would be better because then we could have a just a ton of eggs because how could you have too many eggs and that's where we kind of went a little bit off the rails because we started getting problems where patients had these huge ovaries and that's called ovarian hyperstimulation because the drugs that we used were these powerful injectable drugs uh, hormones that they would take and then um, we would have a bunch of extra embryos so a couple would jump into IVF and they would you know, be excited. They got 22 eggs and they fertilized. And of the 22 eggs, 18 of them fertilized by putting sperm with them. And then as the embryos grew, there were, say, 14 good embryos. And they put back one or two and had a child. And they came back a year or two later and used one or two of their frozen embryos, had another child. And they had like a little oops along the way and said, wow, I don't know where that kid came from. And now they have three kids. And then their families complete their mind 
And then they freak out because now they have these 12 remaining embryos that they didn't really think about what that would mean. Wow, that's fascinating. Um, Why, Kendra, and you may have gotten into this with the guests there. Dr. Chang, is that right? No, Dr. Gordon. Dr. Gordon, I'm sorry. I'm thinking of another doctor. Um, Dr. Gordon mentions multiple eggs. Mm-hmm. And why would it, why would a, a doctor or a scientist or a, an entity want to produce a number of eggs that may not even be needed down the road? Right. So um, in, in the case of fertility, of course... God is God and he can do whatever he wants. But in um, in the strictly scientific sense, we deal with a lot of odds and numbers. Right. You know, so let's just say um, you have two eggs that come and there's a decent chance that one of them won't fertilize at all. And if it does fertilize, there's a decent chance that a couple days into the growth process, it will not continue to grow. Mm. Um, so it is not like every single egg becomes, um, you know, a viable, they use sure. the term viable embryo. So... That being said, they're thinking, well, let's get as many chances as we can. Now, what is not often taken into consideration is that um, sometimes um, more doesn't necessarily mean better. He talked about um, that. Um, Overstimulation of ovaries. Yes. Yeah. Mm. And that's a big problem for a lot of women that go through this. So that's an unintended consequence of, of putting, providing too many eggs. Right. right. Now, not to mention the fact that once you do fertilize so many eggs, um, the, the typical protocol for IVF would be to to try to collect as many eggs as possible. You fertilize all of them, and then you begin to get into the realm of genetic testing mm. and saying, okay, wow, we have 10 of them that, that fertilized and are, look healthy, wow. but let's, let's do some testing and see. Which and, ones are best. Yeah, and they can eliminate, oh, this one's Down syndrome, this one... Is a boy you want a girl? So then we're then we're playing God, right? Is what yeah. what your what y'all's point With is life. in covering this right. topic? Wow, right. it's fascinating. So uh, and folks, by the way, Hannah's Heart is is aired each Saturday. They also have the podcast out there on, on all the podcast platforms. So if you're like this is very fascinating, maybe you've been through infertility or IVF or whatever, uh, and you want to listen more, uh, these topics are covered, and similar topics are covered every week on the show, Hannah's Heart. But I do. Can I add one thing? I just want to say, because there are some Christian couples that have done IVF that are probably listening right now, and they're like, whoa, 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 you're making us all out to sound awful. Sure. There are certain protocols that you can do with IVF that are life-affirming, in my opinion, and and follow a biblical worldview. And that's one of the things that we love on Hannah's Heart, to talk about some of these other options um, that are because— um, we have the the perspective that life begins at conception. We're going mm. into all fertility treatments with that as the mm-hmm. f- foremost of our mind, and we want to honor God. Um, and there are fertility drugs that you can do that with. There's even ways to do IVF where you're not creating excess embryos. He talked mm. about natural cycle IVF or minimal stimulation IVF. We talk about a lot of those on the program. And I also recognize that there are some listeners that just think, man, you know, any sort of form of contraception is pr- playing God. And you know, sure. there's a why. So, Get with your Bible, go with God to see what you feel you're led to do. But we do want to discuss the idea right. that once you create life, we all can agree you shouldn't be flushing it down Absolutely. the drain. Right. Absolutely. And, and y'all do get in, in, in more in-depth in Scripture and what, what God's Word says about the issue of life, when it begins, mm-hmm. and how mm-hmm. to protect it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's there's there was this uh, report, uh, this USA Today article that came out that y'all have covered uh, and, and recently, and we want to talk about today, but... There's there's this this fear mongering about how how pro lifers are going after the IVF process and 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 trying to outlaw it 
and similar things like that. But what what are some some things that the listeners need to know about this USA Today article? That we're definitely not coming at at you to try to stop IVF. We have we have had many people to email us or message us over Instagram, Facebook, some of our platforms, saying, "What are we supposed to do? What are we supposed to do? We have frozen mm-hmm. embryos," mm-hmm. and that there was this fear put out there that like you weren't going to be able to have access Mm -hmm. to those embryos and how scary would that be where as christians we're viewing that that's life those embryos but you're not allowed to get those anymore because of this bill passing and so how manipulative of people to put that out there but we just wanted didn't change the law at all like it didn't touch on the fertility topic at all it was a completely a red herring so so, see and this is where where you know they they try to take us off platforms and accuse Christians of misinformation, but in this case, the USA Today put out an article, and we'll link to this by the way on the podcast page at afr.net on the course page. Um, but but stirring up genuine concern from mm-hmm. people that the Roe v. Wade Supreme Court case, which is actually a very simple, <laughs> simply written uh, Supreme Court opinion compared to others, it basically just said, look, this issue of of life and abortion is going back to the states. So mm-hmm. whatever the state laws say right. is going to govern it on the issue of life. And so you're telling me the USA Today USA Today took that Supreme Court ruling and and went as far to say that, that the IVF process was threatened. By oh, us. absolutely. And yes. there are these uh, videos of like a happy couple with a child saying, I'm so glad we did IVF before this was passed. And, oh, my goodness. Uh, I mean, because you might not be here today. Right, right. And trying to wow. paint us off that we're anti-family. Sure. Now, all this does bring up the point of, is there need for reform in the world of IVF? Right. And I think if you define life as beginning at conception, which is happening in several states mm-hmm. as bills are being um, you know, passed, it does bring up the question, well, how then do we deal how are we treating these lives? Sure. Literally millions. How yeah. I'm, I'm learning new stuff as we go here, which is great. But how how regulated is is IVF? I mean, is it is it's it's considered a medical treatment and process. Yeah. But how regulated is? I mean, it's it's the way y'all are talking. It kind of sounds like the wild wild west to a certain mm-hmm. degree. Mm-hmm. It's different in yeah. every state, and the frozen embryos are not considered individuals or people. They're considered property. property. So, mm-hmm. like, there's no adoption. Mm-hmm. At, there is a new thing. I say it's new. Mm-hmm. It's, what, 30 years old now? Yeah. <laughs> um, but a process where you do now adopt embryos, and they are basically you're given a certificate of adoption, mm-hmm. and it, you have to go through a home study, all these things, and those are actually called snowflake babies Wow. Um, where you adopt a snowflake. And they snowflake is because they're frozen. So, so um, are there entities, are there organizations that specialize in that? The doctor you just heard, um, yeah. the National Embryo Donation Center, is a Christian organization that developed because of the problem of all of these extra frozen babies, and they right. want to help godly Christian families adopt mm. them and give yeah. them the chance of life. Wow. We actually had on the first snowflake baby ever adopted on Hannah's heart. So if anyone's interested, wow. that's how a two is, episode. How old is he or she? She, actually, her name is Hannah. Yeah. That's not why Hannah's heart is named Hannah. You sure y'all didn't plan that out, you know, back in the day? Uh, she was actually just a caller one day, and I was answering the phone for donor support, and somehow we got to talking, and there she was. Um, but, wow, that's yeah. fascinating. That's oh, yeah. got it. That's it was got a God it. She's like in her 20s, though, so... She 
She's, I think she's So this would have happened 20, roughly 20 years ago. And yeah. There are some that have been frozen okay. for like 20 to 30 years. Oh, this past mm. year, they did the oldest snowflakes adoption or thaw, um, and the babies had been frozen for 30 years, and they're twins wow. now that were born at the end of last year, yeah. end of 2022. Fascinating. Uh, it's amazing how God has allowed science and technology to catch up uh, with yeah. with him, not fully because he's God and we can't, we're man, <laughs> but that God has allowed man to, um, you know, develop uh, things, uh, t- science and technology mm-hmm. that really make life um, not only more convenient, but also help people who are going through, you know, tough situations right. such as infertility. Having gone through infertility, like the scientists may think, oh, we're the ones who create life. But Anne and I can both tell you, like, you can do everything right yes. and take, tr- and it is and in God's Lord, hands. That's right. <laughs> yeah. That's right. We were very close to having to choose if we were going to do IVF or not. We were told, uh, let's say February of 2021, this would be our only option. Like, there's no more, no need to waste any more time doing the more natural options and medicine that we were taking. And then all of a sudden, May. We mm-hmm. found out about Jane, mm-hmm. um, but but we had chosen because we had three kiddos in foster care at the time and just a lot of things going on. We didn't feel like the Lord was leading us down this path, but there are a whole lot of things to mm-hmm. figure out if you are in that situation. Where where do you stand on these issues? Because mm-hmm. that is something to pray about and to talk about. And to, to make those decisions not based on feeling because right. when you want a child, so like infertility, man these waves of emotion hit you and it's hard to think like, logically. I'll do whatever. Yeah, I'll do whatever it takes. And sure. my, my husband and I, the reason we looked into this topic, the reason we found Dr. Gordon was because um, we said, we've believed our whole life that life begins at conception. We can't right. all of a sudden push that in the corner now that mm-hmm. we want a child. Sure. Like we have to, <laughs> we have to do this God's way. Yeah. yeah and, and trials will put you in that situation. Mm-hmm. And sure. infertility will put you in the situation where you, Deep down, you desire a child so much that, to your point, it, it, it would be easy to let your flesh take over and kind of a whatever-it-takes mentality. Uh, but we got to keep God's Word at, a, at, the, at the center of our focus mm-hmm. and our approach. Uh, uh, Kendra, briefly, what are um, some ways that people can catch up with Hannah's Heart, maybe even read some of y'all's blogs, Yeah. Check us out on Facebook. We're on YouTube. Of course, we're on the podcast page on AFR, and you can listen to us on... Hannah's Hard at AFA.net. And we're also now on the streaming platform. Awesome. Got your little little video going? (laughs) Yeah. Cool. We're brand new here. Saturday on American Family Radio, Hannah's Heart. What time? 5 o'clock p.m. 5 p.m. Central on American Family Radio. We've got the video up on streaming.afa.net. And Hannah's Heart, wherever you listen to podcasts. Thanks, ladies. Thank you. It was fun. All right. IVF, is it up? Uh, for is it at risk because of Roe v. Wade? The answer is no, it's not, folks. Don't fret. God's in control, and we'll continue to cover these issues all from a biblical perspective. AFA is no longer dependent on Facebook or YouTube to live stream our original programming. As of now, American Family Radio shows like Today's Issues, The Court, Airing the Addisons, and The Hamilton Corner are streaming live on the AFA streaming app. Independent live streaming is the next step as we come out from among them and separate ourselves unto the Lord. Search AFA Streaming 
or visit streaming.afa.net to sign up. So they asked me to enter my email address. And the next thing I know, I start getting emails from companies I never even knew existed. What's up with that? Here at the American Family Association, you have our word that we won't give away, sell, or lease your email address to any other organization or company. We're thankful when you take the time to subscribe to AFA Action Alerts, One Million Moms, Engage Magazine, or any of our other online newsletters. In this season of giving, you can be the answer to their prayer today. Hey, it's Michael Woolworth with Bible League International, and since Labor Day, we've been working toward a goal of putting God's Word into the hands and hearts of 16,000 Bibleist believers around the world. Here's a few that are praying for a Bible. Ahmed is a former Muslim beaten by extremists when he came to faith in Christ. He's praying for a Bible. Miriam is a widowed mother of three in Mozambique, Africa. Very sadly, her husband was killed by the Boko Haram regime, but she's praying for a Bible. Carla was a follower of Pagan practices in Venezuela. He's praying for a Bible now as a Christ follower. And then Washi and her husband are livestock farmers in China. They want to raise their children to know and love Jesus. They're praying for a Bible. Listen, to date, you've put 10,000 Bibles into the hands of Bibleist believers. We'd love to see another 6,000 by the end of the year. So please, at $5 a Bible, would you make your most generous gift by calling 800-YES-WORD? 800-YES-WORD. 800-YES-WORD or give at sendbiblesnow.org. The following is not an actor, but a real-life story from Trinity Debt Management. The credit card debt happened when my daughter was born. I was using one credit card account to roll over into another credit card account, and it was snowballing. If you're in debt and you need help, call Trinity at 1-800-788-1813. When I first called Trinity, the representative understood the need based on the situation. There were great people to work with. From the first phone call that I made, they had me on a track to mitigate the credit card debt. Trinity will consolidate your accounts into one easy-to-manage monthly payment, reduce your interest, and possibly improve your credit score. You'll save thousands. Working with Trinity gave me the ability to save thousands of dollars. My name's Doug, and thanks to Trinity, I'm debt-free for keeps. Call Trinity at 1-800-788-1813. That's 1-800-788-1813. This is At The Core on American Family Radio with your host, Walker Wildman. Welcome back to The Core here on American Family Radio Network. If you enjoyed our last segment uh, or even the first segment, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. Go ahead and subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen to podcasts at the core. By the way, uh, Hannah's Heart uh, podcast is up on the AFR.net website if you want to check it out. AFR.net, go to the podcast section. You can click on Hannah's Heart and get the latest episode there from uh, Kendra and Anne that we just had on in the previous segment. Some very, very important and interesting uh, topics of life and uh, infertility and uh, and raising children that they talk about on the program on Hannah's Heart each week. So be sure to go there and uh, patronize their uh, uh, page at AFR.net. Do you want to introduce our next uh, guest uh, Sharon Slaters, president of Family Watch International. She's on the core with us today. Hey, Sharon, welcome to the program. Oh, thank you for having me. It's an honor. 
Yeah, I do want to, uh, Sharon, let you give our audience, since it's your first time on the core, give our audience a little bit of background on uh, Family Watch International, some of the areas of focus that you and your organization do each year. Well, thanks for that opportunity. Um, Family Watch International is a nonprofit organization, and we have something called consultative status with the United Nations. What that means is we have the ability to go in when negotiations are happening day in and day out, both at UN headquarters in New York and at the UN Human Rights Council in Geneva, and have an impact by working with pro-life and pro-family governments and helping them stand for life and family. The core issues that we work on are the protection of life, family, religious freedom, parental rights, but increasingly the core of our work is protecting children, the health and innocence of children against comprehensive sexuality education, which is a worldwide global agenda funded by donor countries, the United Nations, and we also work in states across the United States in trying to stop comprehensive sexuality education, which really is indoctrinates children into the radical gender and sexual ideologies from getting into the schools, whether it be in the U.S., in the school district, or a state legislature, or at the United Nations, or in countries around the world. Sharon, let me ask you this, since you, since you kind of opened up this, this question. Uh, in, your, in your experience, at least today in 2023, uh, what, are, what is the most or a couple of the most pro-family nations? Because this is not something that seems to really get a lot of coverage or a lot of attention, but boy, is it very important as far as the, the health and well-being of a nation. What are some of the most pro-family countries on the world stage? Well, that's a critical question because unbeknownst to many people, day in and day out, policies are being created by all the countries and governments of the world that all the governments are all agreeing to unanimously in most cases. And it's really the African countries, the Islamic countries, sometimes Poland and Hungary, although they're trapped inside the European Union voting bloc, and so we don't hear much from them from the conservative side out of Europe. Sometimes we hear from Guatemala or Honduras or Ecuador in support of pro-family, pro-life families, but they're also caught up in the voting bloc for their region, which is very, very liberal. Um, You have sometimes a few Asian nations. You sometimes have Indonesia or Malaysia or Bangladesh that will stand for the family. And then you have the Holy See, which has observer status at the United Nations, which is always standing for for life and family. But it's kind of this interesting coalition of various governments that come together. And surprisingly enough, Russia and Belarus are some of the strongest families, uh, I'm sorry, governments in standing up for the family at the United Nations. Fascinating. You're not going to hear that on the evening news. No, uh, as far no, as a compliment. I know. Com- and, and, yeah, and 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 Sharon, the uh, give us a, a glimpse at maybe some of the success you're having. I mean, this is an uphill battle, uh, as we know, as Christians from a spiritual perspective. Uh, Satan wants nothing more than to just completely destroy the biblical family, the mom and the dad, uh, 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 being fruitful and multiplying. Um, so this is obviously an uphill battle, but I mean, you guys are doing this day in and day out. I mean, you've got to be having some success here and there working with these different diplomats and nations. Yeah, I'm really glad you asked that question, because sometimes conservatives actually get angry at us and say, why are you working at the United Nations? It's evil. And I'm like, 
Well, precisely that's why we're working at the United <laughs> Nations, because if you just let evil, what, what, what's that famous saying that um, saying nothing in the, in the face of evil is evil uh, itself, right? Mm. So there has to be voices inside the United Nations warning the good governments. You know, under the Trump administration, the United States was a good government standing up for what's right. Well, many of them were new and they needed help and support. And, you know, um, many of the people that were assigned to the U.N. had had no U.N. experience. So good governments constantly need support and people that have longevity and institutional knowledge and knowledge of all the deceptions. So that's what we do. And we've had many, many successes We just finished our 12th annual Global Family Policy Forum. This is an event we hold every year, and we invite the UN ambassadors, both from Geneva at the Human Rights Council and UN headquarters in New York, um, that stand for the family and their negotiators, their key negotiators on life, family, issues of sexuality, and, and so forth, and we come together and we kind of, we help them network in a space away from the United Nations. We strategize, we arm them, we equip them with talking points and negotiation strategies. And But really, the main thing that we do that creates most of the success, and I'll tell you in a minute how we measure success, is we simply uncover the evil agendas. We spend a lot of time on the UN language and the deceptive terms and what – there's something called – constructive ambiguity, where a term is created by the left, the sexual and radical gender left, um, to try to obscure their agenda. And they mean one thing by it, but they know that the other governments think it means something very innocent. So we spend a lot of time uncovering that. Um, As far as successes, we have over the years been able to get a critical mass of nations that now always oppose comprehensive sexuality education when it's proposed. We got it um, kept out of the UN Sustainable Development Goals, which are the goals that last for 15 years that all the governments agree are all the um, goals for ending all the um, solving all the world problems. We last year got um, comprehensive sexuality education rejected from the World Health Assembly, which is the body that makes decisions for the World Health Organization. We also work in many countries around the world. We have Africa. Um, Family Watch Africa, Family Watch um, Caribbean, and we've helped a number of countries find these radical comprehensive sexuality education programs in their schools or um, stop those policies from being passed. And just day in and day out, we've been able to get governments to stand up against the deceptive terms that are always constantly being created. And so... Um, yeah, we're, we're, we're used to having a lot of successes because when you shine the light on truly evil things, and if you allow me later to talk more about comprehensive sexuality education, which is the number one tool being used to promote abortion, LGBT agenda, sexualizing children, you know, that is, that is the main fight everywhere we go in every country, in every UN negotiation, in every state in the U.S., yeah, and, and one, one, one topic that I cover on the show from time to time, and I'm sure you guys are aware on this, uh, aware of this and probably um, are, are tracking it as well, but the, uh, the population uh, decline, uh, the birth rate, if you will, in, in various Western nations and even some other nations around other parts of the world, uh, the birth rates are, are not doing well. Uh, they're not even at replacement levels. 
And you would think, Sharon, that that uh, the primary one of the primary means of 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 reproducing and having offspring and having future generations is through families, healthy families. Um, are, are countries that are you aware of countries that are actually focused on this issue of of birth rate and not even having replacement level uh, a replacement level birth rate? Yes, I'm actually glad you brought this up. Um, it's interesting. Almost all the UN negotiations, regardless of the topic, end up being a fight over family planning, language, comprehensive sexuality education, sexual and reproductive health, which is code for LGBT and abortion rights. Mm. And when it gets to the population control issue, the the UN just issued a report about what the expected fertility rates were going to be in the world in 2100 as well as the Lancet, Lancet um, publication also came out with a different one. And they're actually projecting that by 2100, pretty much the global fertility rate, if you average across countries, will be lower than replacement, which means we're all headed slowly off to extinction because we're not uh, replacing enough people um, that are existing to even populate the next generation. So we have serious problems happening where young people not enough young people are being born to support the older populations. And a number of countries like Japan and some of the European countries are incentivizing financially people to have children and more children. In fact, in Hungary, I can't remember if it's your third or your fourth child, you get to be tax-free for life, no income tax, um, lots Ooh. of financial incentives. Um, yeah, we also moved to Hungary. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, I have I have seven children. That would have been really nice. So. Uh, they're all um, grown and, and gone out of the house now, but um, sure. it's, it's a serious problem and that the world is trying to contracept, especially Africa. Yeah. All the policies that we fight generally lead to infertility or abortion, you know, the transgender agenda. If somebody goes down that trajectory with the hormones and so forth, they're going to be infertile for life. You've got comprehensive sexuality education, which is all about abortion and, and contraceptive. You've got the whole family planning agenda. Um, you know, it's interesting that one of the top external foreign affairs diplomats for the European Commission, which pushes the population control agenda, recently was caught saying that Europe is a garden and the rest of the world is a jungle. And the only way to protect the garden is to go out in the jungle, basically, and get rid of the weeds. And, wow. you know, um, many of the developing countries don't see through the deception when they're being fed this all this population control and contraception as the no, number one foreign commodity that they're receiving for foreign aid is contraceptives and condoms. You know, what what this is really intended for is to mm. limit their population so that the developed countries can get their resources. And, you know, it's just there's some really ugly agendas out there. Yeah, you talk about self-defeating, quite literally. Uh, all these left-wing radical and evil agendas are all ultimately self-defeating and um, setting up a very, a very dark future for our offspring, uh, should we not correct course. Um uh, Sharon, I appreciate your work over there um, at uh, Family Watch International and uh, how you, you, you are keeping up with all this. I do want to have you on again. I know there's some other topics you want to get to. Uh, we're almost out of time, but we'll have you on again. But I appreciate your work, Sharon. Sounds good. Thank you. All right. Thanks so much. That's Sharon Slater, president of Family Watch 
international family watch international but she's right you know the these these uh these agenda th- this agenda this uh green new deal climate change hoax agenda uh that they're pushing along with a couple of their other agendas are, are mainly folks that mainly focused on population control i mean this is not and this is not a conspiracy theory you know this is not you know alex jones 2.0 although actually alex jones has been right on on several things <laughs> Um, looking back, but this is not far-fetched, folks. This is like they, they talk about it now. They talk about it openly now about population control. What's layman terms for population control? We either kill some people we got around now or we have less babies in the future. You pick. And, and this is this completely runs counter to God's design for humanity. Nothing about being fruitful and multiplying lines up with this evil, wicked ideology. And that's what we've got to put our minds around, folks. This is not about this is not about solar panels and making sure we got energy in a hundred years. Folks, if you actually do this research or read up on people who do the research, which we cover here on the show. Folks, we got abundant resources for millennia to come, for centuries to come. We have abundant resources. Uh, there, there's numbers about how much oil we're sitting on. That's just oil that we're sitting on in, in just America. And that's assuming that we need oil in 100 years. There, there's abundant, abundant resources on this planet today. They can sustain life for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years to come. And that's assuming no technology changes. We ha- we don't advance the way we, we agriculture. All that. That's assuming none of that changes. Everything stays the same. We've got, we got so many resources, we don't know what to do with it all. We're feeding 8 billion people with ease compared to previous generations of people folks we got it good technology has come a long way we cannot allow an evil agenda to hijack our developments the views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the american family association or american family radio